Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. interview last week was so good that we decided to turn it into a two-part series. If you missed last week, you'll find the link in the show notes. It's not mandatory that you listen, but we want to make sure that you don't miss out on this amazing conversation. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxander Hodge. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Today, I have an amazing uh, woman that I spent some time with in Rome at uh, the WIND conference and she was on the main stage uh, talking about female leadership. Uh, her name is Wendelin Vandalise. Wendelin, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to uh, see and hear you again. <laughs> so Wendelin caught my attention because, as you know, I talk a lot about uh, female leadership and diversity um, and inclusion in the workplace. But she talked, she's a historian and a female leadership expert based in the Netherlands. And what captivated me when she spoke was, you know, the, the history about um, not just female leadership, but really as societies, what we're looking for in reference to the definition of happiness and what, what makes us as a society, um, what all the basic things we always talk about. And uh, that's why I thought we, I would love the opportunity for, for uh, Wendelin to come in and talk today with all of uh, my my uh, amazing amazing listeners. Yes. Now with these yeah with these times and what you've been studying and that's this is what I'm I'm fascinated about especially when we talk about you know here in North America we talk a lot about parity and you know um, transformational leadership and stuff like yeah. that. We're, we're obviously clearly showing that this has existed for centuries. Yes, um, that this has been but through different political and religious ramifications. And like you said, liter literature got um, passed down based on the powers that were be. And then there's so many things that we're learning now uh, since the 2000s. Yeah. When you think about female leadership and think about um, what we're trying to achieve today, mm -hmm. what, what kind of things would you say as a, a historian and someone that works with female leadership that companies or leaders of today really need to think about when uh, they're thinking about uh, women and, and leadership? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for me, one of the most important uh, things to start with is again to emphasize that these issues aren't new to think about. We have a legacy of, of actually thought leaders thinking about issues like this. So we don't need to invent the wheel all over again. And although we, of course, we want to um, adapt solutions to the times of the here and now and our current issues, but it is really comforting to know that our current issues aren't really, really unique. 
in the sense of sustainable leadership and issues with ethnicity and diversity and stuff like that. It's been a topic of discussion and thought for thousands of years. Um, and that's, I think it supports us and it's sort of, it creates a, a starting point in which we can sort of relax a little bit. We don't need to think this is a whole new thing. No, it's, it's, it's in our DNA to want to try to um, cooperate and uh, lead from a bigger perspective. Um, and the thing that I, uh, the second step that, that I often um, take is to make people and businesses aware that um, what we call thought leaders today were, the, were what philo philosophers were 2000 years ago. Philosophy wasn't sort of an elite individual exercise you did in your own study like we think of philosophers nowadays sort of a, a so solitary really uh, intellectual endeavor now philosophy was was the sharing of wisdom with one another in thinking about themes as success and and happiness and uh for it for example the stoics who i've been studying also for 25 years um we're really adamant that to be successful as a society or, or individually, you needed to be in a happy place. And happiness was the sharing of what was good for the bigger, for the bigger good. So not on an individual level. They thought happiness couldn't exist if it existed only for the individual. So that's also really, really important to realize as sort of a second step, it is that to think about and have a broader perspective on leadership and, and what is success, what is happiness. I think that's all related. Um, it's really important to know that that has been thought about also for 2000 years ago. And I think it's really interesting I have here uh, one of my favorite Stoics um, who I've been rereading again since Rome. And I think is um, really interesting to know, this is an excerpt of a text from 2000 years ago. And it was a Stoic philosopher, uh, Musonius Rufus. And he said about women, and, and then I go into what, um, your question more in detail about the, the female issue, but I think this is really apt to start with. He says, someone might say that courage is an appropriate characteristic for men only, but this is not so. It is also necessary for women to be courageous and free from cowardice so that she is overcome neither by pain nor by fear. And Stoics mm -hmm. thought that pain and fear were the one things or the two things that kept you from really fulfilling your purpose and being happy and therefore successful. And they say, so if women lack courage, it is from lack of practice rather than from courage, not being an innate quality. And wow. I think that's 2000 years old. That really is the bottom line for me in female leadership nowadays. We that's the bull, that's the bullseye, right? Like really yes. technically, because yeah. it's it's for a lack of practice. It's not. It's yes. not. If you keep women, or have kept women uh, through the ages in those in those spaces based on the the political or cultural context of that time, 
yeah. you know, they haven't had the opportunities to be able to practice. And clearly what we're seeing today yes. that women have amazing transformational um, qualities that benefits um, so many things within companies. Yes. Yes. And I think for women, we need two things to, um, to underpin this, what Masonius Rufus says, to make this a reality, we need to practice our courage as women, but we need men and women around us mm -hmm. to give us the space to practice that courage. And we are responsible whether um, we, we take that space that is given to us like Amakia, there was just a little bit of space for her, but she ran with it and uh, she took it and she ran with it. Yeah. Um, and so it's up to us how to um, create, how we make use of the space that is given to us, but realize that courage is not something we, we have in spades without any practice. We need to practice that courage to bring to the table our type of leadership. Because I think, and I wrote about this as well last week, I think for women, a lot of the times, leadership is not so much leadership over, but leadership with. And that doesn't mean we enter sort of uh, systems without hierarchy. It doesn't mean soft leadership, but I think leadership with others um, is really a different definition of leadership and power than leadership over. And it, that coincides with the three topics that, that sort of arose or sort of learnings that I use in business lectures and workshops that arose from my research. The, the second sort of learn, key learning I always um, communicate is that these women 2000 years ago, if we can learn anything from them, it's that they really were very daring and skilled communicators in their representation of what they were and what they did in society. They did not shun away from expressing their roles in society. So yes, they put up statues with inscriptions naming what they did and what they had achieved. And that is something that I think we as women, we are sort of socially not it's not a social ideal for us as women to really portray our strengths and communicate our accomplishments. But on the other hand, also in this case, we don't have the practice oftentimes in how to do that aligned to our characters, because it doesn't mean you have to be... Um, I think that we have a lot of examples of how to communicate our accomplishments and roles from men, but for a lot of women, it just doesn't feel aligned with ourselves to express it like that. So we have to find our true expression of that. But I do think we have to, we have to express and communicate our accomplishments and our roles also to inspire others to be daring and to be courageous to bring our hearts and leadership to the table. And I think today in, in uh, uh, female leadership um, teams, you're seeing a lot more sponsorship, which I think mm. previously, you know, yeah. I think when I was in corporate, it was more 
um, you know, you felt like you're alone on an island generally because yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're a minority as a female leader. And yes. oftentimes other females were not your allies. Yeah. Yes. Right. And yeah. so I think because that's like you said, the, the backdrop was um, be like what I think I need to be to get ahead. And I, you know, I can say that in the time, um, in present times working with uh, female leaders, they're, they're so aware of what it's like with the legacy leaders that are saying, maybe recognizing they're in the last quarter of their career that they are looking to help and always mentor, be, you know, yes. or be mentees. And it's, yeah. so it's something that it's, it's, it's really nice to see now compared to say when I was, uh, you know, in corporate 20 years ago, it was a yes. completely different thing where oh, in a way, yes. sometimes you aligned, um, you know, with males that were generally yeah. um, more accommodating than females because yes. there was that threat. So yes. you, there was like, yeah. a, you're a bit of a bit of, you know, the boardroom was like a battlefield because women were trying to yeah. figure out how do I have my voice heard without, um, you know, losing my position. But yeah. sometimes the only option left for them were the male dominated way to, yes. to be able to to approach oh yes i well you experienced it but i think i've seen sort of the been on the tail end of it and i've i've talked about this a lot because i do see in within my generation sometimes women well not perhaps speaking badly but um not understanding why generations before us and certainly the generation that has just retired who are in their 70s they've been sort of breaking the glass ceiling so to say <laughs> but they had to use force <laughs> and yes. and fit the mold and they might not sort of understand what we are doing now and the sponsorship and stuff like that but it's ha it has been needed and it's I think it must have been really difficult, like for you 20 years ago, to sort of find your place and not lose your identity of who you are as a human being and your heart. Uh, and I think it would have been normal to sort of lose that at times, just to be able uh, to, to survive, to, to some yeah. degree to survive. You had to figure yeah. out the context, um, you know, in your position to be able, you know, and, and that wasn't all the time, but at times when you needed yeah. um, someone to align with you to help, sometimes that that support wasn't there. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I think of us in Rome and all the amazing um, yeah, international sure. leaders, you know, from every generation, I mean, that yes. we were in those rooms were with just yeah. absolutely stunning. And I think of mm -hmm. your philosopher, and I'm not gonna remember his name, but it is so true when he says that what is needed is is practice. Yes. Oh, yes. Like to drop those to drop those um, defenses, um, but to know that it's okay to drop those defenses to have to get the courage because the courage is there. Yeah. And I think um, you know what I experienced, and I, I think Kristen Envick is just one of a kind. Uh, with yes. Um, when I entered Rome, like you know, I met you know, all these women, there was an automatic courage yes. that I could feel that everybody entered into and showed who they were as, as in their different capacities as leaders. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I felt that too. And I thought it was 
also the same goes also for the men who were there. I felt absolutely, absolutely, because yeah. it was really courageous for them to be a minority on that at their end for for once. Yes, yes. There, there were more men than I had expected to, and they were really courageous as well. And um, what I really found as um, moving for me was that I knew that in my keynote lecture, I wanted to be personal and 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 explain on a personal level what history had had brought me in my life and therefore as a leadership expert. Um, but it was landing in Rome, getting to know this group of women that I really dared to be courageous <laughs> enough to be vulnerable on stage, and yes. in return. I heard from the from women, so many women who said, oh, because you dare to be vulnerable on stage in the first lecture, I dare to be vulnerable at the table having the discussions. And I thought, but that's it. I was inspired by the dynamics of the group. It filled me up. It gave me courage. And because of it, it's it has a ripple effect. And it keeps... Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that, you know, like you said, you know, we... I think everybody wants to leave a legacy, um, period, men, yeah. women. Um, and obviously with uh, people like Ermakia, clearly she was saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my imprint. Yes. Um, and it shows you that, um, you know, through the times that some, a lot of women did the same, but we just, you know, are now learning about them. And I think it's become so very important that um, really from a, from a company perspective, when companies are thinking about implementing policies that they think about what you're talking about, the Stoics, because we all, what do we want? We all yes. want the same things, which is happiness yes. and peace yes. and yes. meaning and purpose. And by, by applying the things that we're talking about with uh, diversity and inclusion, we're talking just about making your, your workplaces happier. And I want you to talk a yes. little bit, because I know you talk about happiness. Um, what in your, as a historian that you've learned about happiness and uh, female leadership as well? Well, I think what I've seen and what I find really interesting, and I will combine sort of the, the uh, stoic view with what, I, what I've um, deduced from my research on women in, in the Roman era, is that where, uh, and talking, it's not only the Stoics, but the Stoics are a group of philosophers who have the most clear and practical uh, sort of philosophy to use. It's not only an intellectual endeavor, they have a really practical philosophy. And they say success is based on the happiness of the individual and the happiness of the group at large. And for that, we need to live in alignment with what is either nature, God and nature with a capital N, God, uh, universal laws. They were sort of, um, they left it open. They did believe in gods, but they actually believed uh, even more so in a, in a universal law that regulated everything that was going on in life so you needed to be in alignment with source just to, to use a modern phrasing and you needed to have a practice in which you were meditating daily writing down in your journal your um 
sort of daily aims, like I don't want to, they were very much about handling your emotions and controlling your emotions in a way that you could um, create that happiness. So that emotions didn't override you in making your decisions every day. Um, so they thought for that, you needed to practice meditation, right? Be really aware of your actions and be really aware that what, how you act in society and in your own household, also in your own business, that how you act is in alignment with the, aim, with the aims you have. And that everything is geared towards that. And that it never is about an individual purpose and success. So for example, sort of having the goal of being as prosperous as you can, you are allowed to have that goal um, in, in, for Stoic philosophers. As long as you want to use that money for the greater good of all as well. You can have your money and live a good life, but be really aware that you use it for the greater good. So all the development of your inner skills and skill sets had to be for the, for the greater good of all. There was no purpose for them in life in general to live it only for yourself. So it has, it's a very, uh, very human in heart. I have to say, um, which is which is what I talk a lot about authentic heart leadership in my new yeah. book. Right, it's about yeah. that alignment. You know, like alignment yeah. to yourself and why you lead the way you do, and it. You know, yeah. and and going back to those core fundamentals about you know why you became a historian, why I became a psychologist, and yes. kind of making sure that you live that integrity. But it's not a means yeah. to an end back to you. It's to make yeah. you know for the highest and best good. Yeah, have a greater impact. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yes. And to come back to what you were saying about sponsorship um, as well, these, these Stoics were very much about supporting each other and each other wasn't, um, wasn't geared only towards men. The, the philosopher I just mentioned, Musonius Rufus, actually advocated that women and men and women were educated equally because women where he says there's no point in sort of dealing with women as if they are inferior intellectually to men because they simply aren't. So why not um, give them as good as educations as we give men? So, and that meant also a ph philosophical education. Mm -hmm. And what I see, that's, that's a sponsorship as well, to have, have a really well-known philosopher talking about this. But what I saw... Um, and I just spoke about the three key learnings that I deduced from my research. The, the third one is that what I see is that women really were networkers and great. Um, um, they had female assemblies who were um, consulting and discussing topics and issues and who were making decisions, supporting each other. And there were various types of associations for women and it's not studied really broadly but what we see is that outside of the city of Rome we see a lot of various associations for women who were sort of a counterpart for the male uh, senates who were running the the cities and these 
sort of female senates, just to put it like that, were they did not have any political stature, so to say, but they were thinking about stuff, giving advice, solicited or unsolicited, and mine might have been, uh, advice to um, the senates, and they were they were supporting each other. There was a sense of sisterhood um, that must have underpinned these gatherings. They had banquets together. Uh, and when I, um, this sounds sort of um, very theoretical, but when I apply it to Yamakia, I just told you about that really big tomb that she built. Um, and we see in her tomb, um, were not only her own family members who were buried in it, but we see a lot of other families of whom I um, also um, uh, saw women in inscriptions sort of um, come to the surface when I studied. I, I did not only study Yomachia in Pompeii, but, but all the women that I could find in inscriptions and statues and stuff like that. And we see a lot of these women uh, or a lot, a couple of these women who were uh, associated with her for one reason or another, and who were buried in her that massive tomb as well, Ooh. and that and those families weren't uh, very different in social standing than she was. So it wasn't like she was sort of the most wealthy social uh, um, layer on top of. Uh, of Roman society and that the families that were buried in her tomb were sort of lower uh, status. No, it, it was not like that. So it feels as if there was some kind of association type or system of whether it a sisterhood might be a really a bit too modern interpretation of it, but a support system um, for these families to also sort of participate in that massive status that was communicated through that enormous tomb of Amakia. So that support system and the sponsorship you were talking about. Which I would make sense about what we're saying is necessary. It's, it's, it's yeah. almost like we're transcending time and bringing it forward, but really yeah. to some degree, it's, it's about you know, others helping others and having that support. And, and I think that's yeah. something that's, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, that um, any trait that women have, like, oh, they, they connect, you know, they, they take care of systems around them, which would yeah. make a lot of sense when you when you talk about um, some of these systems at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I think to be even um, more concrete, when you ask, for how does my research sort of uh, correlate with the issues we have nowadays in DNI issues and sort of female leadership. I think the the three key learnings I was talking about when we as companies um, are daring to address these three uh, these three key learnings, and I will just mention them in a minute. But I think it's a great starting point to facilitate sort of a space in which women can be courageous enough to develop their leadership, not only their leadership roles, but I think their, their own views and perspective on what type of leader they are or want to be. Because I think we really do need to be aware 
of what type of leader we are before we can be a leader. <laughs> um, or you have to, yeah, spend that time yeah. on awareness. Um, which, yeah, which is such a big thing to know, you know. Yes. How do I want to be perceived? What does my voice yes. need to be look like? Yeah. Um, you know, which I talk a lot with leaders on uh, being aware. Like, what is what yeah. is that message? Like, how are you in alignment? But spending yeah. that time to ensure yeah. that you're, like you said, you're good with yourself before yeah. you start to project what your leadership should be like. Out there. Yes. Yes. And what I always say when I when I talk about these three key learnings, I think what we can really take away from these Roman women and, and sort of start a discussion. For example, if there's within a business, there's a manager or there's a CEO who wants to have the conversation with his female employers or she wants to have a conversation with her female employers about their leadership. There are three key learnings I think that are really relevant. And the first is that these Roman women were really daring and innovative in the ways that they dealt with the legal and social limitation. And I think that's a great starting point to ask questions about where do you feel li limited internally and externally? It's not only externally, but internally. And I think as a psychologist, that must be really interesting. What are the limitations that you are aware of or need to be aware of that you have um, sort of that limits you nowadays in your leadership capacities. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of questions you can ask about that because it might be really introspective, but it can also be that within a company, there are sort of um, unknown um, limitations or, or limitations for women that actually the company is not even aware of that they perceive it as a limitation. So mm -hmm. I think that's the first step a lot of businesses can take um, based on these Roman women. Where do we feel limited in as women in a company or in our lives as a leader? And the second is these Roman women were really, as I just mentioned, really skilled communicators of their accomplishments and roles. And we can ask women, how can we aid you in that? Is that something that you are aware of that you can create your own ripple effect? It's not about sort of an egotistical thing in look at me and look at my CV and how amazing am I? But it's like you are a piece of the puzzle of society and a piece of the puzzle of a business. And if you're not clear on what piece of the puzzle you are, you're sort of... Um, you're sort of corrupting the bigger puzzle because you are a valid and valuable member of that puzzle. So mm -hmm. start to ask questions on how, as, as a manager or a CEO, how are my female employees, how can we aid them in, in communicating their accomplishments, in communicating their roles, or becoming aware of that because a lot of the time it needs introspection as well to mm. know who you are as a piece of the puzzle and who to know who you are in your leadership to be a leader that is aligned with heart, as you say it. Um, so that's the second thing. And the third thing is actually that uh, based on my Roman research, is that women were networkers and great networkers and sponsors of 
other women. And I think if we look at these Roman women who were setting up female assemblies, we need our sisterhoods, to put it like that. We needed, like in Rome, although of course we had men and women, it felt so supported, so incredibly supportive to have all, a lot of women around the table um, supporting each other. And actually, I think a lot of the women that I met, one of the few or the first things they would say was, how can I support you in your endeavors, in your journey? And I was sort of, what? <laughs> what is happening? But it, it makes you fly. <laughs> well, when you when you run into everybody and that's one of the first things they ask you, then you think, it, this what? is this is for real, right? Not yeah. not like other conferences where you're you know, it takes a while. It was definitely yeah. something that I absolutely experienced. So I think yeah. to your point, your third point, naturally through history, um, there has been that, and it's about what as women getting back to our natural states, um, yes. and what we're like in connecting and assisting and helping. Really, that comes. You know, yes. the way we're wired is we are wired to be the emotional keepers of relationship yeah. uh, yes. from a very, very young age. And yes. naturally, not that men don't. But again, I think it's no. because it's the focus of our roles also in, in our families and our societies. So yes. definitely, I can see how number three, which we experienced so well in Rome, uh, yeah. was it at its, at its highest uh, sense. Yeah. And then just... this, the, yes, it's such a, those are such important steps and it's amazing that uh, you pull that out from the research yeah it, it yeah it really and it works for me as well like I shared in Rome on stage when I do struggle in either my work or my personal life I do look at these three points where am I struggling because mm -hmm. a lot of the times I am not being very daring in how I am dealing with my limitations or I'm not using my network and, uh, or I'm not communicating my piece of the puzzle, my um, uh, public roles and accomplishments, because the moment we start to do that, we sort of start to um, get the ball rolling again. And you, because when you feel stuck, you just need energy or you need a different perspective, one little step at a time. And it works for me every time, I have to say. Well, I'm going to um, keep that in mind as I go through uh, some of the struggles that I have, which, uh, you know, we can think about um, in any given week or month, how many of those struggles oh, we yeah. might come up against to, to apply them. Now, I know um, I've taken so much of your time and I know we could continue. Um, I, I know you um, you do a lot of amazing work and uh, I would love for you to share with people if they'd like to um, get a hold of you to understand more about your book that you've written and or even the leadership work that you're doing where they could uh, reach out to, to have a chat with you. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I'm in as I explained earlier, in the middle of sort of redoing my website. So I would refer people to uh, my LinkedIn page. Um, and I probably they are in the in the uh, notes of the podcast, uh, what my name is. And there are there aren't too many people with the same name, I can tell you. Um, so they can uh, absolutely contact me um, via LinkedIn. And I always love to um, 
get into contact with people um, who are interested in well, either just to have a chat and be inspired or, or get a, a nice reference for some literature or a thought or whatever. Um, but I love working with companies mainly on, uh, on leadership and um, giving them a new perspective from uh, based on history, because we don't need to invent the wheel again, as I said. And I am really really committed to history not for what it reveals about the past per se but what it reveals about us about our communities our, about our businesses and about the world at large it breaks down some of the barriers we experience and that is what i love to do i love to focus on female leadership but i do a lot of leadership work in general as well with lectures either uh, in lectures or workshops um, so well, yeah. that's amazing. And of course, the uh, Wendelin's um, contact will be uh, in the show notes. So what am I walking away with? And I, I often say, um, look at where you've come from yeah. so that you can know, um, like you said, I love the molecule, the, you know, yeah. of everybody that's impacted you. And mm -hmm. I think of my legacy and, you know, coming from, uh, you know, Trinidad and Tobago and you know, my path with my grandparents being um, indentured laborers coming from yeah. India and the Middle East and yeah. what, 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 where that is in my DNA and, and yeah. what my, my path and what I've wanted to share with the world has been around voice um, mm. as, a, as a female uh, leader. So yeah. as you go out there, just reflect on what uh, Vendelin's shared. She shared some amazing things and to think about how is it that you're going to be courageous? How is it that you are going to highlight who you are and where you want to go and leverage your supports around mm. you? Because you have many, you may not have thought about it and to think what is one contact that I could reach out to today yeah. that might be able to help me make that first step in, um, in my practice, like the philosopher said, start mm -hmm. practicing today. And again, Madeline, uh, thanks so much again for giving us your time. And for everyone listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Again, if you're wanting to know about um, leading from the heart, you can just uh, go to my website, roxanderhodge.com forward slash quiz. It'll give you a mini quiz. You can look at uh, where you are, either at work or at home, and uh, we'll send you the results again. Vendelin, uh, thanks so much uh, and loved you. meeting you in Rome <laughs> and I'm sure we will see each other again in Europe soon uh, so take care everyone and uh, we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne creating the space for positive healthy change Roxanne is a keynote speaker psychotherapist and coach to work with Roxanne visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.